a blessing to be with you and to be with uh, Pastor Andrew and Jennifer, the wife. They've, uh, we're well fed. <laughs> a blessed time of fellowship to, to be with them, and we're thankful for the opportunity of being with you. Uh, the title of the message this morning is Things That Are Different Are Not the Same. It doesn't take a real intellectual to figure that out. But Matthew 24, verse 35, tells us this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God has promised to preserve his words for us. And uh, this is what I believe. I'm also the president of a large organization called the King James Bible Research Council. This is what is in our church constitution as well. The King James Bible is God's Word kept intact in English. The King James Bible preserved by accurate translation. Uh, the Hebrew uh, Aramaic Masoretic text and the Greek received text for English-speaking people. And by accurate translation of these texts, our King James Bible maintains all the authority and power that God placed on and in his words. The King James Bible is, therefore, God's preserved word for English-speaking people. Um, uh, the, The purpose of the presentation is to demonstrate that things that are different are not the same. Um... I have two oranges here. Both of these are oranges. Now, this is, you don't have them, I don't believe, in this country. This is an Osage orange. Uh, an Osage orange, ooh, it's running out down there. But anyway, an Osage orange, if you were to cut it in half and put your tongue on it, it is bitter. If you were to eat some of it, it would probably majorly upset your stomach. It's not going to kill you, but it's going to make you wish you were dead. Uh, But anyway, and and so this is called an orange. I don't want anything to do with this orange. Uh, This is a navel orange, and my wife and I, most of the days that we've been traveling, uh, we eat a juicy Wonderful tasting navel orange. I got to quit talking about it. I'm going to peel this thing and eat it right now. But anyway, even though they're called oranges, they're different and they are not the same. Uh, That is indeed my whole point that things that are different are not the same. Now, um, I'm not going to play this because uh, we don't have the sound hooked up, but I just want to tell you that Bibles that are different are not the same. I only have my uh, King James Bible here. I only have my Cambridge King James Bible here with me today. But if I were to have a uh, NIV, a NASB, an RSV, a PQRST, uh, whatever it is. But anyway, just as Osage oranges are not the same as navel oranges, so modern Bible versions are not the same as our King James Version of the Bible. And I am going to tell you why. Let's examine the differences. Number one, as we have mentioned, they use different text lines. Different text lines. Now, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul was very clear uh, that corruptions of the Word of God in the New Testament were taking place even in his day. Um, here's what we read in 2 Corinthians. It's very clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, it says, For we are not as many 
which corrupt the word of God. There were corruptors back in the Apostle Paul's day. But he says, not us, he says, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. We're telling you the truth, we're recording the truth, but there's people who are corrupting the Bible. In fact, they went so far as to write fake letters under Paul's name. And we know this from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, Be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. Here it is. Nor by letter as from us. They're alleging that this letter is from us, and it's not. He's saying that as the day of the Lord is at hand. Don't worry, you haven't missed it, he's saying. You haven't missed it, you haven't missed it. These letters are false. These letters are not from me. So, the Apostle Paul, early on in the New Testament, in fact, the worst corruptions, the worst corruptions of the New Testament happened within 150 years of the writing of the New Testament. Now, there's two manuscript lines. Back on the table, I could point them out to you. There's the corrupt line, and I have a, a page from Vaticanus, I have a page from Sinaiticus, I have a page from Alexandrinus, back on the back table. But the traditional text line, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, friends. Totally, there are about 6,059 Greek manuscripts of any style of the New Testament, portions of the New Testament in existence today. And as I told you last night, 98% plus of those manuscripts, they support our New Testament of the King James Version of the Bible. They are what underlie King James Version of the Bible. Less than 50 manuscripts are from uh, the Alexandrian line, the eclectic line, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and uh, the modern versions of the Bible are based primarily on five of those, specifically three. Specifically three. They make use sometimes of two others. So uh, you can tell you got 98% plus, or actually 99% when you figure it out. And um, so you've got the correct line, corrupt line. Um, Aleph, which is also commonly known as Sinaiticus, and B, commonly known as Vaticanus, are uh, mainly used along with three other minor manuscripts there. Uh, I went to uh, the British Library. The British Library houses Sinaiticus. And it's very interesting, Scott McKinley, <clears throat> who's not a believer as far as I know, uh, they have gone page by page through the Sinaiticus manuscript, and they say there are 35,000, get that right, 35,000 corrections and, and deletions and edits in Sinaiticus. And I actually have a clip there of him saying that. But again, I'm not hooked up to the sound, so I'm not going to go over to the clip uh, to say that. But 35,000. Uh, I allege, and with a good basis, that uh, Sinaiticus actually was written in the 1800s by Constantine Simonides, and he was writing the manuscript uh, for the Tsar of Russia. Uh, it's an interesting thing, but... Uh, even if not, there are 35,000, if you can imagine that, 35,000. Uh, there's, a, there's a big problem with the Vatican manuscript that is primarily used. It's the number one text used under the modern versions of the Bible. Uh, scholars believe that Vaticanus was overwritten letter by letter in the 10th and the 11th centuries. So what do you mean? It had faded out, and so they took a pen and they overwrote it. You can't even tell what the original 
was underneath the Vatican manuscript. Accent marks were added along with corrections in the 8th, the 10th, and the 15th century. Missing portions were supplied in the 15th century by copying other Greek manuscripts. And this isn't Christian people. This is people who study manuscripts say, all this activity makes precise paleographic analysis impossible. What's paleographic analysis? In other words, Paleographic analysis is we've studied it, we can't tell you what it originally said. It's, it's, it's so marked up, it's so overwritten, we don't know what it originally said. But here's the one that I like the best. Uh, I, I have an $8,000 copy. It doesn't belong to me, it belongs to a medical doctor. I have an $8,000 exact facsimile copy published by the Vatican, approved by the Vatican, got a seal of the Vatican in the front, and on page 1512... There's no verse divisions, but what would be Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3? Uh, they had changed Hebrews 1, 3, and here's what the scribe says in this note that is circled right here. See this note right here? There's a note right in there, and it says, Fool and knave, leave the old reading and do not change it. So they had tampered very clearly with the manuscript and what it had said, and somebody wrote back in the margin in what would be Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, don't change it. Quit messing with it. So we know very clearly that Vaticanus was messed with whoever did it. But here's what gets me. Here's what gets me. All, uh, all, all of the, the, Some people say to me, well, you know, there's a little bit of a difference between Erasmus 1522 and there's a little bit of a difference uh, between uh, Stephanus 1550. There's a little bit of a difference between Visa and uh, those are the three uh, Texas Receptus manuscripts that are that are used a little bit. Yeah, there are a few differences between those three TR manuscripts, but I'm just talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John now. You have these two manuscripts that are used the most uh, by the modern Bible translators, and here's what you have. There are 3,036 textual variations between Sinaiticus and Vaticanus in the text of the Gospels alone. Matthew, there's 656 differences. Mark, there's 567 differences. Luke, there's 791 differences. And in John, there are 1,022 differences. In fact, the one who did the study here says, quote, it is easier to find two consecutive verses in which the two manuscripts differ than two consecutive verses in which they entirely agree. Uh, I'm telling you that things that are different are not the same. What I'm telling you here is uh, these new versions based on these manuscripts are an Osage orange. They're bitter. Uh, that You wouldn't want to eat this. It would make you sick. That's what I'm telling you. That's just what I'm telling you. And so as we move along... And you'll see that I am constantly doing this because I want to drive home a point in your head. Things that are different are not the same. Bibles that are different are not the same. And so uh, you'll get sick of that. But I'm going to tell you over and over again. Now, I have a friend. I ate lunch with him uh, a while back, and he had published this book. His name is Dr. Jack Mormon. He's an expert in Greek. And he studied the Texas Receptus, and he compared it uh, to the eclectic text that, that is based on the West Cotton Hort text. It, he he uh, studied uh, Nestle Aland, I believe it was 27 in the comparison here. 
And there are more than 8,000 differences. He has every, if you want a definitive book, if you really want to dig into this, it's page after page after page where he writes down what is in the TR and shows you in the column right next to it, preacher, what the difference is in the eclectic text. So all it is is pages and pages and pages of the 8,000 places where the text differs. Uh, that's what he does. I, in the United States, I give those out to pastors who try and give me a hard time, and I just say, okay, you go ahead and you study it. You go ahead and get your t- Greek text, and you'll find out that there are more than 8,000 differences. So I'm not really worried about the minor differences between the three versions of the TR because they're so infinitesimal. Uh, there are, are literally 17 complete verses missing and multiplied hundreds of partial verses missing in the modern Bibles that are, are in the King James Version of the Bible. This is a good illustration, friends. Um, the example of the modern version, here's what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. That's what they say. Now, here's what the King James Version of the Bible says in this. It says, it is written by the prophets, plural. Uh, the passage quotes Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah 40, verse 3. Not just Isaiah. They say it is written in Isaiah. Well, things that are different are not the same. It's not just Isaiah. It is Isaiah and Malachi. Hence, it is the prophets, plural. And so what you have is a lie in the modern versions because it is not just Isaiah. Things that are different are not the same. Somebody says, oh, well, there's not much difference. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, not much difference between arsenic and, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, Two foundations. Now, um, you have different texts. You have the traditional text that underlies our King James Version of the Bible that's supported by more than 5,000 manuscripts as opposed to one that has 50. Now, there's a different foundation. There's a different foundation. Um, The King James Bible is built on a foundation of faith. Uh, The translators believed, and we'll be going into this uh, majorly tonight, but the translators believed in verbal plenary inspiration and providential preservation. God breathed out his word one time. It was once delivered unto the saints. But then God preserved his words. And the King James translators, they all believed that they were working with the words of God. And this was codified or, or made very clear uh, in 1646, because in the Westminster Confession of Faith, here's what they say, the Old Testament in Hebrew, which was the native language of the people of God of old, and the New Testament in Greek, which at the time of the writing was the most generally known to the nations, being immediately inspired by God and uh, by his singular care and providence kept pure in all ages, therefore, and therefore are authentical. 
Now, here's what Baptists believe. This is in 1677. This is 1689. Basically, they're saying the same thing. The Old Testament in Hebrew, which was the native language of the people of God of old, and the New Testament in Greek, which at the time of the writing uh, of it was the most generally known uh, to the nations, being immediately, it should say, inspired. Uh, obviously, this that I put up there is not inspired, but anyway, the, uh, being immediately inspired by God and by his singular care and providence kept pure in all the ages. God has inspired his word once, and someplace he has preserved his word. And for English-speaking people, it is our King James Version of the Bible. Things that are different are not the same. Now, I've had more than one Baptist preacher tell me, there is no verses in the Bible that teach providential preservation. I don't know what Bible they're reading. I really don't know what Bible they're reading. Uh, I don't know what they're snorting, but they're not, you know, uh, they're, they're not, they're, let, let's look at inspiration. If you read that in Greek, it says, Pasagrape Theonoustes. That means all scripture is God breathed, and that's what it says here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You know what that says? God tells us what's right, that's doctrine. What's not right, that's reproof. How to get right, that's correction. How to stay right, that is righteousness. So, uh, I want you to say it with me. I'll say it the first time. The Bible tells us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right. Let's say it. The Bible tells us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Therefore, you have to have a Bible that is the Word of God. You can't say, well, uh, I, I had one preacher of the eclectic groups. There was a big debate there. And, and I went out afterwards, the debate. He said, nobody knows for sure where God's Word is. And there was a stack of about 22 modern versions. I said, well, where is God's Word? He said, well, it is someplace in here. There was a King James Bible over here. I said, no, no. It's here. It's here. Because if you don't have an authoritative word of God that tells you what's right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right, it's man's own opinion. And so anyway, and, and this one, it says in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now what that means is, I put the parentheses there, that's mine. I'm just telling you, when it says of any private interpretation, that means it did not originate with man. Of any private interpretation. See, that's why I don't use the modern versions, because it is the private interpretation of man. They put their own spin on it. Uh, and, and says, For uh, prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, preservation. There's no Bible verses that teach preservation. Oh, really? Well, hmm. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Um, if, uh, if that is not true, uh, then I ate the Blarney Stone. You know? 
I mean, uh, heaven and earth shall not pass away. My, God's words are going to be available. Um, First Peter 1, 23-25, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth until it disappears. No, 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 no. Which liveth and abideth forever. What does forever mean? It means forever. All right? And this, and in case we're wondering, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. The gospel you're preaching, which is recorded in this book, is the same gospel that was preached by the Apostle Paul, the same gospel preached by Peter, Andrew, James, John. It's the same gospel. God has preserved his word. He's promised to preserve his word. Two different foundations. The, the new versions. I, I am, I'm just amazed. The new versions are built on a foundation of, of doubt. Uh, and, and the men have a low regard for the Bible. They, they, did, they just have a low regard. They don't even believe that the Bible is inspired of God. In fact, Westcott and Hort speculated with no evidence to support their idea that the pure text of the New Testament had been lost. They said, Mm-mm, you just can't know it. It's been lost. Don't know where it is. It's our job to see if we can find it. The eclectic text under the new versions is based upon Westcott and Hort, who were Roman Catholics, and one of them dabbled in the occult. Hmm. Very good. Uh, and they held to the German higher criticism. What's higher criticism? Translators of the modern versions, they reject uh, Bruce Mesker, uh, Cardinal Martini, uh, Barbara and Kurt Alon. They reject the inspiration and preservation of the Bible in favor of higher criticism. They didn't believe the Bible was inspired word of God. They didn't believe that the Bible was preserved by God. Uh, they said this. They treat the Bible like they would any text created by human beings. And, and they say that uh, the Bible was put together um, with various human motives. Now, either God's true or God's a liar. Uh, he said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, either God did it as he said he was going to do it, or God's the biggest liar and the deceiver in all the world. Man, he saved a sinner like me. And uh, I just believe, God, these guys can go soak their head in the bucket. I mean, you know, um, they base their interpretation on the presupposition. You know what a presupposition is? It's something that they begin out believing right from the start. They base their interpretation on the presupposition that the Bible is not, N-O-T, not. And I get this, I, I quote it right there, the Bible is not divinely inspired and that a conglomerate of unknown authors and editors assembled and modified the Bible as they desired. Let me just, let me just tell you that um, uh, uh, Bruce Metzger said that Jonah was a conglomeration of myth and legend. That's what he said. He said uh, the creation account was the same. He said Moses didn't write. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that it was a conglomeration of different authors over uh, a same period of time. And um, the, the problem with that is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ says Moses wrote it. So I'm going to take some uh, perverted professor 
Uh, I'm going to take his opinion over my Lord Jesus Christ. I do not think so. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, Example of higher criticism. It it, it infects so many places. Baptist churches, all kinds of churches, they just don't believe that God's word is inspired. They just don't believe God's word is preserved. But the higher critics claimed that Isaiah 53 was inserted in the Old Testament uh, book of Isaiah after the time of Jesus. That's what they claimed. I have it in writing. I have some of those old books. They say, ah, no, 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 Isaiah 53, whoever wrote Isaiah, it wasn't, it wasn't originally there. Uh, and then there was, they had a big problem. Oh, did they have, oh, did, oh, it was a massive problem. They came across the Dead Sea Scroll of Isaiah that's dated um, 335 to 324 B.C. I'd say that that's a couple hundred years before Christ, wouldn't you? Would you agree with that? Hmm. Guess what? They turned to Isaiah 53, and it said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid up on him the iniquity of us all. Ah! Their bubble burst! But instead of admitting it, they just kind of keep quiet. They just kind of keep quiet. The modern translations, Osage Orange! Blah! The Word of God. Ooh, I want to eat that so bad. Well, anyway, we'll put that back. Uh, I'm just telling you, things that are different are not the same. You cannot trust the modern Bible versions of people are not even born-again believers. They don't even believe in the inspiration of the Scripture. They certainly don't believe in the preservation of the Scripture. And they're the ones selling these new versions of the Bible. And uh, I was talking with a guy who worked for Thomas Nelson Publishers, one of the biggest uh, Bible publishers uh, in, the, in the world. And um, uh, that they are, they're trying to publish new Bible versions all the time because uh, they're rooting in the pig pen for revenue. They want money. They want money. Let's get some money. Let's see if we can get some money. And so they change it in there. I just want to tell you, since we talked about it last night, I went on uh, my website and pulled this up. Uh, some people say, well, what about the new King James Version of the Bible? I mean, it's supposed to be based on the King James Version of the Bible. Just let me read you these figures. God has removed 51 times. The Lord has removed 66 times. Repent has removed 44 times. Dam is removed entirely. Heaven is removed 50 times. Devil is, the word devil is moved re- entirely. The blood is removed 23 times. Uh, new readings, uh, 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 let's see, new readings match new versions. Uh, replaces hell with Hades and Sheol. The New Testament removes 2,289 words. Somebody was asking me about that. 2,289 words. Over 100,000 total changes have been made. It eliminates the these and thous, making it less accurate. It ignores the Texas Receptus 1,200 times. Things that are different are not the same. Higher critics, I'm just telling you the truth. Higher critics have been shown to be liars. I'm not going to stake my life on a book made by liars. Just not going to do it. Textual criticism. Well, uh, textual critics believe the scripture has been lost. 
They don't believe until 1881 that they found some of it. That's when Westcott and Hort published their corrupt Greek text. But they haven't found it for sure, and they're still looking because they're up to Nesselalon's 28, preacher. I mean, they, they just keep, and, and I'll tell you stuff about that. But anyway, textual critics believe that the Scripture has been lost. I've had it since 1611. I'm a few years younger than that. I'm 68. But anyway, if you, if you want the words of God in English, get your King James Version of the Bible. I mean, get your King James Version of the Bible. Textual criticism is a humanly contrived method of so-called Bible scholars. And I use that term so loosely, but that's what they call themselves. Bible scholars. Uh, lying Bible scholars. <laughs> Uh, and and they they use these things to discover the original what the original manuscripts uh, of the Bible. Now look at this. This is what they say most likely said. You know what they say? If you have a longer reading and a shorter reading, oh, it was definitely the shorter reading that's the right one. That's how come they leave out the last uh, twelve verses of Mark in Mark chapter sixteen, uh, even though. It's in one of the oldest manuscripts that they used, Alexandrianus. If you go to Alexandrianus, it's there. While it's And there is room for it in Sinaiticus. There was room for it in Vaticanus. And in fact, in Vaticanus, it's the only blank column in the whole, in the whole book. Um, oh, I, I just get all excited. Sorry. Uh, we'll just move on. But it's just so ridiculous. Uh, the 24th edition of the Nestalon Greek New Testament says this. It should naturally be understood that this is a working text in the sense of the century-long Nestle's tradition. It is not to be considered definitive. Oh, so the Greek text that you have is not to be considered definitive. If the Greek text is not to be considered definitive, how in the world can the Bible that is translated from it be considered definitive. It can't be. Thus saith the Lord. How do textual critics decide? You'd think it was some because they're so educated men. They have their post-hole degree, I mean their PhD degrees and all that kind of things. It says, um, for the answer we need to look, how do they decide? For the answer, we need to look at the 27th edition of Nouveau Testament Gratia uh, by Kurt Aland and Barbara Aland, the 27th edition of Stuttgart, 1993. And here's what they say. It was agreed upon by the committee as the best reading, and it has nothing to do with the original text. This is in their New Testament, the 27th edition. had nothing to do with the original text, so how did they decide they didn't go back and look at the original text. They did this very spiritual thing. All right, how many of you believe the word should be this? All right, raise your hands. How many of you believe the word should be this? Okay, raise your hand. Let me just tell you, that is not the way to decide what a reading that is going to be translated into well, other languages but English. It's not the way that you should decide. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Who voted? Barbara Land, Kurt Land, uh, Kasadopoulos, Cardinal Martini, Bruce Metzger, etc. Now, the reason that I'm explaining this rather technical stuff to you 
is, um, you, you know, the text of the New Testament from which nearly all modern versions are translated is based on these Greek New Testaments. You need to know what they did. If the text of the modern Bible, if the text the modern Bible translators use is not to be considered definitive, friends, how in the world can a preacher stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, maybe? Not to be considered definitive. The Bible said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved, probably. I'm serious as I can be. You know, there, uh, there is, listen to me, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm, I'm going to take a side thing here. Uh, there is no chance in eternity for you to change your destiny. Paul said, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, uh, death is so much like cement. If you go into death knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you're with the Lord for all of eternity. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. If you go into death without knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, um, I'm sorry, but you're going to be in the lake of fire for all of eternity. So it is important that the Bible that you have is not a maybe book. Uh, this our King James Version of the Bible is a no-doubts no book. Uh, and I get so ticked off at these guys because they're deceiving millions of people who, th who think that they're reading the Word of God. They're very sincere people, but it's got human junk in it. It's private interpretation. It does contain the Word of God, but it's not the Word of God. This is the Word of God for English-speaking people. What you have are corrupt versions because the words of men are mixed with the words of God. And I'm not even talking about the paraphrases. I'm not talking about the message. The message Bible is not even a translation. The good news Bible is not even a translation. The, um, what is it? The living Bible, the new living Bible is not even a translation. It's more like a mini commentary. Uh, because it's just what man said God said. That's, that's all it is. Paraphrases, they don't even allegedly translate the Bible. Uh, uh, I, I just, I, I hesitate to use this, but you know, I was telling you, Bibles have nicknames. We have the Breaches Bible, we have the Bugs Bible, we have the White Beater Bible. We got all those back there. Well, the Living Bible has, and I'm not going to say the word, but I think most of you adults will know, uh, but the, 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 the nickname of the, of the Living Bible is the S.O.B. Bible. And that means son of a mother dog. Okay? Now, you say, why that? Because they translate in 1 Samuel, uh, Saul calls his son, he says you, and then he uses the word, so I'm just using the letters, U.S.O.B. I'm not touching that Bible. It's not a Bible. It's a paraphrase. Believe me, God never inspired calling somebody an SOB. Okay? And so, uh, what you have even in the modern versions, I'm just moving out the paraphrases at all. They're like mini commentaries. It's what man said, God said. Um, 
you have corrupt versions of the Bible. And that is what is selling like hotcakes today, but nobody can agree on anything. Um, things that are different are not the same. King James Bible is built on a foundation of faith. The modern versions are built on a foundation of, dar- of doubt. Uh, this is my study Bible uh, that I use at home uh, for preparing my message because of the massive manuscript witness of the traditional text group and the careful translation of the underlying Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek text, our King James Bible is God's Word uh, kept intact in English. Now, there's a completely different philosophy of translation under the modern versions of the Bible and our King James version of the Bible. Um, And let me just tell you what the philosophy is. The King James version of the Bible uses formal equivalency. It refers to a method of translating by finding a reasonable equivalent words and phrases which follow the forms of the source language as closely as possible. It is often often referred to as literal translation. In other words, and I'll show you here in a minute, but it tries to translate a noun as a noun, an adverb as an adverb, an adjective as an adjective. And in the King James Version of the Bible, you might not believe it, but it's really true. Uh, it is written on an 8.1 in the United States, 8.1, 8th grade, point one reading level, while the NIV is an 11.3. So the NIV is harder to read than the King James Version of the Bible because they try and use as many monosyllable words as they possibly can in our King James Version of the Bible. But they also try and translate the words literally, and when there isn't a word, um, uh, they take like the word baptize, which was in the Greek, and they, tr- they, they, they translated that from the Greek word baptizo or baptizma, depending on the tense voice and mood, uh, and they just put baptize. And so anybody who studies can look up and find out that that word means to plunge, to dip, or to submerge. And so uh, they did create some words for us uh, because they couldn't find a reasonable word in the language. But that's not what uh, happens with the modern versions. Uh, they use dynamic equivalency. And in this translation method, uh, the translator attempt to reflect uh, what he thinks the thought of the writer is in the source language rather than the words and the forms. In other words, the verb isn't translated. They, they don't even deal with words. They deal with thought. It's also called functional equivalency. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, I'm going to give you a dynamic, dynamic equivalent description of my dog. All right. I have a sheepdog. I want you to think about that. Think about what comes to your mind. I have a sheepdog. A lot of people, when they think of, oh, the preacher has one of those large English sheepdogs that, you know, they have the bangs that they can hardly see out of their eyes. No, 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 that's not what I have. But that is a dynamic equivalent translation of what I have. Here's what I have. I have a dog. I had a dog. He uh, died uh, recently, but he's about um, this high. He looks like a miniature collie. Uh, he is uh, brown and white, or he can be merle and white. 
And the breed was developed in the Shetland Islands. Now you know what I have, a Sheltie or a Shetland Sheepdog. They're not the big dog, they're the little dog. But you see, that's the difference. The King James gives you, tries to give you a word for word. Sometimes it takes two words. And they just try and deal in thoughts. You say, well, is that really important? It is because the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Jesus is concerned about words. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The focus of this philosophy is on of dynamic equivalency is what is meant. Nouns and verbs are, are may not be uh, as they were in the original, and the words may and words may be added. If they're added in your King James Version of the Bible, you know what? They're in italics. That lets you know that the translator added them, okay? Uh, and uh, to aid the flow of the passage, they don't even let you know that. There are some liberties taken by the translators, and the translators can put their spin on it as they have in Acts chapter 7 because they just left out Acts chapter uh, uh, in, in Acts chapter 7, you ought to just read it, 36, 37, 38. They leave out verse 37. Our King James Bible says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And the answer is, If thou believe with all thy heart, thou mayest. So uh, they called this chariot to stand still, and they both went down unto the water, and he baptized him. Well, they leave out, leave out verse 37. See, here is water. What stops me from being baptized? So they stopped the chariot, went down to the water, and baptized him. You know what it leaves out? It leaves out the fact that you need to be a believer before you're biblically baptized. You know, I was sprinkled as a little kid in the church that I grew up in. You know what happened to me? I got wet on my head. I didn't believe anything. I was probably not liking it. I don't know. I saw a little, I can't remember this stuff. Uh, I see a little picture of my mommy had me all dressed up in this little thing, and I'm going, oh. Mom, all I want is to go home and I want to drink, you know. I mean, just, um, but that's what the new versions do. They manipulate. They manipulate. Well, I'll give you an illustration of how dangerous liberties they take. Uh, and this is, they're, they're using a translation of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Here's what it says in King James. Come now, let us reason together. Though the, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I don't know whether you sing the song, but I love singing it. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Now, everybody's going to leave, so I'm going to quit singing here. <laughs> though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Well, the Nepali Bible Society, which uses the eclectic text, uh, uh, they thought that they would translate it differently. It says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as the inside of a coconut. Okay. That's taking liberty with the words of God, my friend. It does not say that. You said, well, what if you're in South America and you've never seen snow? You know what? You teach them what snow is. But that's what they're doing with the modern versions of the Bible, folks. Um, formal equivalency, as I already said, they use nouns and they translate them as nouns, verbs as verbs. Uh, they, they seek to keep the same sentence structure. It's, uh, uh, it often translates a word uh, in the original language uh, to the same English word. And, 
even if there are indications of shades of meaning present in the original. And here's the important thing. If it is obscure in the original language, it is translated as in uh, that state. If it's obscure in the original language, they don't try and take liberties and explain it in the English language. And I think that's important because I have no idea what it means and the significance of the baptism of the dead. And uh, in some versions, they try and add to that to explain that. That's obscure, but I have some, I don't know, 18 other verses that explain very clearly what baptism is. So I know who is to be baptized, how they are to be baptized on that one. When people ask me, I can just tell them this. I can tell you what I think, and I can tell you what the Mormons are doing is not what was done in the New Testament church. They're not lining up and baptizing all their dead people so that they get them saved. That isn't how people get saved. The Scripture is clear on that. But I just don't know what that means. Well, anyway, God is concerned about words. I already told you that, Matthew 4, 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew 5.18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Matthew 24.35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not, N-O-T, not pass away. Friends, This is called an orange. This is called an orange. But they're different. This will make you sick. This will make you hungry. (laughs) And that's what the Word of God is to do, is to make you hungry. Hungry to know what God wants. We're getting close. Hang on with me. Don't tamper with God's Word. Deuteronomy says it in 4.2, Ye shall not add... Unto the words which I command you, neither shall ye diminish. Proverbs 35 and 6, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Uh, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the prophecy, a book of the, this prophecy, God shall take away um, him out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Say it with me. Things that are different are not the same. The differences are clear. The modern Bibles use a different text. King James is based upon the majority witness of thousands of texts. The newer versions are based on a few corrupt manuscripts that disagree with each other. Different foundation. The King James is based on a foundation of faith, while the modern versions are based on a foundation of doubt by people who didn't even believe. Different philosophy. King James Bible uses... Um, uh, King, uh, King James uses, uh, is, the King James is, is concerned about words. There's a problem here. The King James is concerned about words while the modern versions are concerned about thoughts. Things that are different are not the same. And as I said earlier, because of the massive manuscript witness, 
of the traditional text group and the careful translation of the underlying Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek texts of the King James Bible. It is God's word kept intact in English. I believe the King James Bible is God's word kept intact in English. I believe the King James Bible preserves by accurate translation the Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, Masoretic text and the Greek received text for English-speaking people, and by accurate translation of these texts, the King James Bible maintains all the authority and power that God placed on and in his words. The King James Bible is, therefore, God's preserved word for English-speaking people. Friends, you don't have to guess. Read the book. Now, if I, I bought this, I've had this on my shelf for years. I didn't want to bring my real good one in case I lost it. My wife has the one that usually travels with me. It's falling apart. Your Bible should not look like this. This is a brand new. In fact, some of the pages are even stuck together. You know why? This is the first time I've taken it on a trip. Your Bible should, I mean, it should look worn out. It should have writing all over the pages. Because the Bible that looks worn out and a mess usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Because they are in the Word of God. Now, friends, in here are the words of life. And I don't, I don't know each and every one of you. I've met a number of you. But I'm urging you, if you're not 100% sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you need to repent of your sins and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth. Somebody said to me, but preacher, you're narrow. You bet, because narrow is the way that leads unto life. There aren't many doors to heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. So as I always say, because it kind of makes people laugh, but when they think about it, you can be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, and help little old ladies across the street, and you know what that'll do? Nothing! Because you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because your works will not save you. Why? The gap is too wide. God wants perfection. And it's true, some people are better than other people. And I say this all along. If we were to go, uh, Brother Andrew and his wife Jennifer would take us over to uh, the edge of the English Channel there and uh, we get a, 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 a ball to throw and on the count of three, um, we throw the ball. He might throw it further than me, but I can guarantee this, he is not going to throw it all the way over to the English side of England and land on the shore. Why? The gap is too wide. Some people are better than other people, but the gap is too wide. And that's why Jesus Christ says, as I mentioned, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, 
then I would urge you to repent of your sins and call upon his name.